Welcome, Woody, Wednesday, Wisconsin, week. It's Snap Judgments brought to you by Buyer's Auto. I got it to five. I topped myself from Tuesday. Welcome in. That's Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward, and that'll be the end of the alliteration portion of the show. But the Buckeyes uh, have practiced. They are done with that on a Wednesday night uh, in here on the outdoor field, getting ready for primetime against the Badgers on Saturday night. Tried to spot a few of the Buckeyes how involved they were in practice. And let's start there with the injury report as we may have seen it, Bill. So I saw Denzel Burke um, just trying to watch like different position groups kind of filter off the indoor or off the outdoor back in here through the locker room. Uh, I didn't see Trevion Henderson, but I know you did. I guess the one guy we didn't see was Emeka Abuka, but we didn't see any receivers other than Marvin Harrison Jr. So I, I'm assuming that position group just got off the field before we were in here. Um, but Ryan Day did say, he kind of lumped everyone together and said, like, we're getting some guys back. I would assume that Emeka Ibuka is part of that group, too, no? I think of the three that Emeka Ibuka is the furthest along in yeah. his recovery. And I expect him to play on Saturday. And, and as you said, uh, as we get into it on Snap Judgments, again, brought to you by Buyers Auto, that, you know, Ryan Day said all three, would, he expects them all to play. And then he was asked specifically, uh, Kellyanne Stitz asked, did they all practice? And he was a little less committal to that. Key element of availability. And so I yeah. think that was a, a great question by her. And I think that that was maybe perhaps pointed a little more closely to Denzel Burke. Uh, speculation, tea leaves, nature of the injury and all that. Now, we saw him coming off the field. We also saw Mecca Buka coming off the field a week ago at this time. So we'll see what that still means by Saturday. Uh, but that is about the injury update as we have it. Jihad Carter was on crutches. Uh, he'd been playing on special teams, the backup safety. So, uh, you know, took that big shot. I believe that was on uh, a kickoff coverage play. Yep. And so I uh, wouldn't expect him to be able to play. So that's a little bit of a, a depth there, depth blow in the secondary. Uh, but Travion Henderson came off the field. It, it certainly looked as if he had been an active participant. He had on a little bit different uh, protection on his upper body than maybe he would normally have. But, um, you know, he's missed three games. Uh, at some point, uh, if you're just say you're being just cautious and you want him back and when you need it, uh, he's going to have to play at some point. You're going to have to take those shots and, and see if you can withstand the deal. Maybe they're finding out in practice that he can't. I don't know. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say that anything is definitive with any of the three, even though Ryan Day is saying that he is working towards having a more full strength roster by Saturday night. I think of those three for this game in particular, I think Trevion Henderson is probably the most important guy. Um, they got to get this run game going a little better. And, you know, Trevion has some limitations that we've, we've talked about before, but you can't deny his explosive element that he provides that I, I just don't think anybody else in the room does. And, and we've talked about this. Like I thought there were times last year or last year, last week that if they had him, maybe, you know, uh, a running back pass or, or one or two of those runs hits for more than they went for. And when the offensive line, I, I think, is like taking a little bit of a step forward, you want to be able to reward that effort, I guess, with a running back who can make a little something out of it. So um, he is the one that I think. I, I, and do they need him to win? No, but he's the one that I, I think I am most eager to see this week. Well, let's play a game about that. Okay. You're talking about the running back position. I love on Woody Wednesday to take note of who the last person is to leave the practice field. And who was it tonight, Bill? Dallin, Dallin Hayden. Hayden. Him and uh, Hero Canoe, we were out here together. Down Hayden. Hero Canoes playing it's, running back against Wisconsin. Let me tell you about it. I, I do I do differentiate a little. If you're actually doing practice <laughs> things and Hero Canoe, 
he was looking for me. He wanted to play soccer. Yeah, he was yeah. hanging out and having a good time. But Dallin Hayden jumped right on the Monarch afterwards. He did some a little extra drills. like So he did that over here, and then he went back over to that corner and got some extra work. He was doing a number of things after practice to try and get ready. What does it mean, Bill? Is it going to be an activation I, on Saturday? I hope it means that he plays. I just I don't know what we're doing here. And I, and I guess we shouldn't belabor the point. Everyone, I think, knows where we stand because we all stand united in wanting to see Dallin Hayden play more and not be held under this red shirt barrier that has kept him out of games. I I think there was a little bit of what Ryan day said this week that maybe encouraged me that he, that he wants to put Dallin out there. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I hope I'm hopeful and and hope is is dangerous and it's treacherous this time of year. So I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt. The most dangerous drug of all. That's right. Uh, All right. So, Ryan Day and a large group of Buckeyes, uh, what are we at? Seven players, I think, come yeah. out and talk. So a lot that we can dig into for lessons. Where would you begin? Was there something from the head coach or was it something that the players said that caught your attention? Um, I guess, I guess I would start with Ryan Day and they're just words, right? But, but I, but I do think they're in an interesting spot here. Like actually like a, a telling spot about what this team is made of because of what we talked about earlier in the week. They have to rebound quickly from an emotional, physically exhausting kind of game Mm -hmm. against Penn State, and they they just don't have the week off that they had after Notre Dame. And Ryan Day said he felt like they've had a good week of practice. I do like He never says we've had a bad week of practice, but I do think you can tell (laughs) when he is upset with the week of practice, and I didn't didn't pick that up from him at all. So that's encouraging to hear. But but I think this is – and I I guess I hadn't thought of this game this way until this week now coming off the Penn State game. It's not so much about – Wisconsin and how good they are and like can they spring an upset that kind of stuff it's more about like can Ohio State I guess rise to the level of competitive excellence that Ryan Day likes to talk about ask me if Ohio State had a good practice I'll do it when it's bad hey do you think Ohio State had a good practice this week uh yeah yeah good practice (laughs) uh we have bloody Tuesdays it's very competitive uh Wednesday got them in some one-on-one situations good on good and and then we'll get the pads off on Thursday and uh we'll see how the rest of the week goes Mm. That's that was, not what he said today. That's not what he said today. So, if he would have said that, I would have been, been taking Wisconsin with the points, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it that, way. that wasn't the answer. That those That's a little peek behind the curtain of how I'm going to translate Ryan Day. He did have the, yeah, very good, happy with the the energy. And, and some of that was also in relation to getting back to full strength, yeah. which, uh, you know, again, if you have a Mecca, Travion and Denzel Burke back out there, not saying that they 100% will be, but even just back out of practice, then you look around, it's like, well, this team has a, a really good chance heading into the last weekend of October and into November of being something special and trying to find that next year. A lot of that, again, uh, as always, will be contingent on Kyle McCord. And a lot of conversations, I asked Ryan Day about that on Tuesday, heard a little bit more from Kyle about that on Wednesday, like really hard on himself for the misses. Like yep. as much as, uh, you know, everybody out there evaluating and, and, and Buckeye fans and Ohio State fans and everybody, you know, disappointed with the missed opportunities for touchdowns like as as upset as they are i guarantee you it's that's tenfold for kyle mccord he's going to be much harder on himself than he was in real time you could even see it the way he was reacting to i think it was the slant where he was like mostly you know hammering himself and pulling on the the rubber bands and stuff but you know he watched it on film and that made it a little bit worse but he gets the urgency like it's he's not trying to miss those throws but he and he knows what it can mean for ohio state's offense moving forward so you know, it's another week to take that challenge and get rolling early. 
Uh, he did do that for the first five throws, and, and, and there was a little bit a lapse there. We all know that, but you know he he made that point. Like he's not resting on his laurels and say, "Hey, I'm I'm eight and zero as a starter," and almost threw for 300 yards against the number one defense in the country. I do think that's worth a reminder. Like some of those throws were wide open and they were schemed up and they needed to be completed. But a lot of the positive things that he did against the defense that I checked, they're still number one in the country in total defense and, and scoring defense. Like those should maybe carry some weight. I don't know how much, but yeah. some. No, I, I think they do. And I, I think whatever, however the outside takes it, I do think those plays give him confidence. Because he said like, I have to get myself to a level that is necessary for this team to win championships. Now, I think Doug and I talked about this on Kings of Columbus. Like that level can change depending on what else is going on with the team. And I, and I think that level is different this year because this defense is so good and I think can kind of be the first foot forward for them. Obviously, they have to score points and they have to be probably more efficient than they have been in the first quarter. He's aware of that. He's working at it. Um, and I, I, I guess I find it, while it's frustrating to see the misses in the first half, I, I do find it somewhat encouraging that he figures stuff out and plays better in the second halves and, and in particular in fourth quarters of games. And Berm says that, like, would you rather have a guy who's on it in the first quarter, maybe tapers off, or a guy who's figuring stuff out and then is, is on it in the fourth quarter? I, I'd rather have the latter as well. But they are leaving opportunities on the field in the beginning of games, and he said that. Like, he said he wants to take his game to the next level. I asked him what that means. He talked about some leadership stuff, but then he said, like, we got to score when those opportunities present themselves, especially early in games. That was pretty much the way that Josh Fryer was evaluating the offensive line to this point. And uh, you have some more pointed and in-depth, I guess, uh, questions about the line play and, and maybe where they've come, where they still need to go. To me, it was like Josh Fryer specifically said communication was something they were doing poorly at the start of the year. Yep. You know it's going to be crazy and loud at Camp Randall. He said, "Well, I don't love going silent. Like nobody really does. You, there, there's parts of it that you get comfortable with and you like, and you can time it up. But you have to be careful then with that and not letting the defense get a read on you and make things more difficult. Um, but that's what Ohio State is anticipating. They they're going to have to adjust, and they're they're not going to be able to talk directly to each other or hear a snap count." Uh, so that will play into anything else that they might try to do. Well, it's good they've got experience with it, like going to, going to Notre Dame. If this was the first time they have played in a raucous, loud environment, I'm, I might be a little more concerned than I am. I think this will be a louder environment, at least at the start. We'll see if Wisconsin can keep the crowd in it. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a good place to, to, to get a home crowd going. Um, I, th I still don't know what the ceiling of this offensive line is. Um, and it's probably lower than what it should be and lower than what we've come accustomed to. But, but I still think there is a, a, a level of good or good enough. I think that this group can get to, and part of me feels like they're taking steps toward that. Like the fact that denied Dennis Sutton and chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac from Penn state, who I, I think collectively is certainly the best collection of ends they'll see this year. And, and even perhaps individually, like those might be the top three defensive ends hmm. that Ohio state sees this year. They combined for one sack and like two pressures. And Chop Robinson only played, I think, like 15 or so snaps before he got hurt. So that factors into that, of course. But I, I actually thought Josh Simmons and Josh Fryer played pretty well for the most part. They didn't win every single rep, but they I thought they won more of the reps than they lost. Yeah. And that that was good to see. Um, they got to keep building on it. And then there's like the run game piece that I do think they're building a little bit of confidence as a group. And, and whatever they did in the week after the Maryland game to – simplify things and, and maybe trim down what they're calling and what the guys are comfortable with. I, I think it has yielded better results in terms of how stuff is blocked up. Um, 
it's still not perfect. They got to be more efficient, but I, I, I do kind of feel like that offensive line is better now than it was two weeks ago, but now they're going to be tested again with the silent count and the crowd and not false starting and all that stuff. So we'll see how they handle it. Uh, what else stood out to you on Wednesday night? Talk, Anything on the defensive side? Yeah, talk with Caden Curry about just just sort of generally how much better this pass rush has played in, in the last three weeks. Um, JT Tuimoloau is like spearheading that, but I think I think as a group they're they're playing much better, affecting quarterbacks more. And he just sort of said like that's that's natural confidence building throughout the season. Guys getting increased reps and more of a rhythm, and that probably applies to him more than, than some other guys because he's just been playing more. Caden Curry has the last couple of weeks. Kenyatta Jackson was also out here. I, di- I didn't get a chance to, to ask him something similar, but like those two guys were the spokesmen for the defensive line tonight. And, mm-hmm. and I think at least from Caden Curry, I, I sensed a, a building confidence in, in him that I think probably stands as an example for the rest of that group. Cause I, I think they've been playing really well the last three weeks. Like it's looked like how I expected Ohio State defensive line to look. Yeah. It's, it's certainly been trending this way. I, I talked to JT about that after the game. On, on Saturday, it was like, hey, you know, was some of this uh, a slow play, like a slow build? <laughs> like, because you weren't even winning one on one matchups against Youngstown State the way that you did against Penn State. And he kind of, it was the most like polite scoff <laughs> I think I've encountered. Like, because, and I, I don't, I didn't mean it as a slight. And I, and I, you know, made clear, made that clear to him. Like, I can understand why that may have been the case. You know, you don't have to have a tenacious pass rush to win that game, and you'd yeah. rather, you know, work out whatever issues or schematic things or be vanilla and say that this is not still going to have to happen at a higher level until Notre Dame or Penn State. And he just didn't really want to have that conversation, and he said that there were different tools and metrics that they evaluated, sort of leaning back on what we've heard from many, many times before, like, pressures are more important to them often if the if there's enough of them than sacks and like but the sacks are now coming too and even the play the fourth and 30 play where JT you know gets a, that was a, that was a sack what was the the, the third, fourth fourth and the 30 deflection like, yeah yeah fourth and four yeah. yeah the fourth and four play i couldn't help but think uh, and i talked about that with Zach Bourne you can see that on Thursday on Buck IQ like in my mind was how close Zach Harrison was to Stetson Bennett and that throw and then JT gets home. Like it, it, it has always been that half step. And now maybe they're finding that. And that play, like if Zach Harrison had done that, then Ohio State would have another banner yeah. right like that one, like in here. Like that would have been the case. And so that did happen against Penn State. They did get off the field. And it doesn't have to be a sack. Like batting down that ball against against Georgia would have won the Peach Bowl. And batting down that ball helped win against Penn State. So. Yeah, I, I asked Caden Curry like to try to get inside the defensive line room like when JT kind of like basically owns a first-round pick for the majority of that game. Like, do you guys spend more time watching that or like pump him up more than you would normally? And, and he didn't really go down that road, but the one thing he did say is that like it's not surprising to hear that like JT is, whether he does it vocally or not, is like a tone setter in that room and everyone's just sort of like striving to meet the level that he's playing at. So when they see him have a guy, game like that, it makes everybody else want to take their game uh, or take their game up a, a, another level. So I'm, I'm on alert for that now to see if maybe some of these other ends start pushing the pocket the way that JT is because he's he's playing out of his mind. He's playing his best football, and the line generally is playing well. But but even with that said, I still think there's another level collectively they can get to. We had our first chance to uh, interview Jermaine Matthews with the Buckeyes, and uh, that is a fun 
fun guy to talk to and a fun guy to watch. I think yeah. he he didn't quite have the Denzel Burke freshman level. I am already capable of shutting down anyone in the country uh, talk. He also said that he didn't like he was asked if like Denzel's success two years ago helped inspire, you know, like inspire, motivate, educate him. And he's like, I didn't watch Denzel as a freshman. <laughs> he's like, okay, that's cool. Well, let's move on from that. And he's like, does Denzel's experience help you? And he's like, I, I think it's that part is more like Denzel. He is just his own player. He's not worried about being somebody else, thinking about what happened before he got to Ohio State. Uh, and, and he did, he did say, like, I, I'm a one game at a time, one play at a guy, one, one, one game, one play at a time guy. And he's not worried about any of those other things. And I think you can kind of see that. That's probably why you hear so many people, Jim Knowles, other people on the defensive staff say, well, he, he doesn't think about the moment. He didn't feel the pressure when Ohio State brought the blitz and he's left in one-on-one -on -one coverage yeah. against one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. Like that is, That's special mentality. Not everybody has that. Special was the word I was, I was going to use. I, I wasn't over there to talk to him, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, I'll just – I love his game. And I, th I think he is going to be a special, special cornerback here. And I wasn't sure that it would happen now or we'd even see a glimpse of that now. Obviously, the pick six kind of in garbage time earlier in the year. But to yeah. step up the way that he did against Penn State, man, like I, I think there are a handful of freshmen in the country who can be thrown into that spot and not let it phase them. So the fact that he did it, uh, I think speaks volumes about him. And now we'll see when Denzel comes back. Now we're just trying to figure out like, okay, he showed you he can do that. Now what's that mean for him moving forward the rest of the season? I think it's, it's even more beneficial for Ohio state because if Denzel Burke is 85% and let's arbitrarily say that that's the cutoff point. Like if it's, if it's necessary for him to go, we'll go. But if you have, now a third option and you don't have to force Denzel Burke back before he's hundred percent ready. And like setting aside the opponent, like Wisconsin's not going to really, shouldn't really test Ohio state through the air. And if it's a, if it's a coin flip on or a questionable status, like you can, you could dress him and still not use him. You can trust those other guys to play. And if it's emergency, make a change, but it doesn't look like with Davison, Igbenosin, Jordan Hancock, and now Jermaine Matthews that you have to necessarily worry about that. And, it is not that wouldn't be a mark of like not taking Wisconsin seriously. It's making a decision for the rest of the season and evaluating what you have that Jermaine Matthews, I think, has made a case that he can be included in that. Now, what does that look like when four of them are in the mix? I don't know. But this may well be a situation where you can go with three and not have one of the best cornerbacks in the country because you don't have to do it right now. Yeah, I, I think it's a great spot for the defense to be in because like you have Jermaine Matthews. You have, well, like, Caden McDonald's making a little bit of push. We'll see what that means. Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson are playing more at defensive end. You have, like, a, a two-way rotation now with Cody Simon and Steel Chambers at, at Will Linebacker. They're finding ways, I think, to not steal rest, but just, like, rotate a little more and, I think, keep guys fresher for, you know, to achieve what they ultimately want to achieve at the end of the year. And, like, I did, they just didn't have that sure. last year. And I don't, I don't know if being worn down is part of the reason why things started to unravel for the defense a year ago or not. Maybe that had nothing to do with it, but I think they're much better positioned to still be playing their best football later in the year than they were last year because yeah. of the, the depth that's emerging here. Yeah, the next step in that is Saturday night at Wisconsin on NBC, 7.30 Eastern kickoff. So uh, another day of practice, and then Ohio State will travel uh, west to Madison. More coverage still coming uh, beyond Snap Judgments, which are, brought, which are brought to you by Byers Auto. So we'll have the pick show. We'll have the daily on Thursday. With Anthony Schlegel, Buck IQ with Zach Bourne. Uh, 
Freaky Friday Bold Predictions, uh, so much more as we get ready uh, for kickoff on Saturday night. But our stuff inside the Woody for the week is done. Thanks so much for joining us. He's Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. We will talk to you later.